If you have your Bibles tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Now, I want to take just a minute. Now, young, young people, if you listen, uh, I've, got, uh, I've got a couple different kinds of uh, uh, things for you in the back. If you listen, your parents say it's okay for you to come back, but you've got to listen very carefully. Now, I want you to notice in Ecclesiastes, uh, somebody help me tonight. Who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes? Somebody tell me, who wrote it? Uh, Abigail. Solomon, okay. I was expecting an adult Abigail, but if that's, you know, nobody else is going to do it, that's great. I appreciate you doing it, all right? Uh, can somebody tell me what kind of mood was he in when he writes this book? Uh, can somebody tell me in the back, Ken? What's that? Hating life. If you have your Bible, notice Ecclesiastes chapter 2, in verse number 18, he says, Yea, I, verse 17, therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. Now, I want you to notice tonight, there's some things that happened in his life. And uh, we're going to take a look as he continues on with his uh, discourse before the Lord as he's, as he's writing this book uh, under the inspiration of Scripture. But God is giving us a, a picture into the heart of someone that's living for this life, that's living for themselves, that's living to make themselves happy. If you remember in chapter 2, and notice if you would in verse 4, he said, I got me great works. Uh, there's 41 times he uses the word I, I, I in chapter 2. And you'll notice that uh, not only that, but um, uh, he uses the word vanity uh, six times in this passage. All is vain. It's empty. Because anything you and I do for ourselves is going to be empty. Oh, it might bring some joy at the first but it doesn't last. And what you want to understand about this book, it's the book about how to avoid emptiness. It's important for all of us. How to avoid emptiness. Well, he noticed, he said, I got me this and I got me that. I got me all kinds of, of uh, uh, houses and lands and I got me uh, everything that you can think of. I got me cattle and I got uh, uh, everything that would make you happy. I got gold. I got silver, but I wasn't happy. I hated life. He even said, a part of the reason I hate life is I've worked hard for all this stuff. I'm the richest man in the world, and I'm the wisest man in the world, and when I die, I'm going to leave all my riches to somebody else. I can't take any of it with me. It doesn't benefit me. So he said, what's the use of making a lot of money? if I'm going to die and leave it all here? Well, if your money means something to you, you're going to be empty. It doesn't mean, the Lord does not mean that you and I should not take care of that which he's given to us and be thankful for it. We should be. We should be thankful for the blessings of God, but they can't mean that much to us compared to the Lord. The Lord always has to be first. Now, if you have your outline, I want you to notice, if you would, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and uh, the, the very top line says this, God approves of earthly pursuits, but only in proper time, priority, and motive. 
In other words, God wants us to do things for the right reason, for his glory. And God wants to, us to do things with the priority on the things that are important to him. Now, I don't know that the Lord is all that thrilled about watching football. I don't think he's all that thrilled about, uh, about going hunting or fishing. Uh, I don't know that that is something that enthuses the Lord. Uh, but he knows that we have a need for uh, things that would uh, take our time and attention to let us relax and enjoy things. Uh, and, and so the idea is, look, things in the proper time and order. Now notice Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. To everything there is a season. So he's saying, I've noticed that everything has a, a time. A time to every purpose under the heaven. A time set aside by God. A time to be born. And a time to die. Now, if you'll notice in the outline, Roman number one, there's a right time to everything in God's plan. God is very orderly. And he's called everybody in this room to follow a plan he's made for you. There's a will of God for everybody in this room, every adult, every young person. And for a young person, the plan is obey your parents to the Lord for this is right. For adults, it's to have the things that we're supposed to do at the right time, in the right order, priorities, and for his sake, the right motive. So if we get things that we're going to work to make money to, uh, uh, to buy this, to do that, and we leave the Lord out, and we don't say, Lord, I want to I have a good job that I can provide for my family and I can give to you, Lord, and, and I can put you first in my life. And, and Lord, would you provide whatever we need? And, and Lord, I'd like to have this. I'd like to have that. Hezekiah tonight, Lord, I've lived right. Could I have some extra time? The Lord didn't give him six months or a year. He gave him 15 years. Why? Because he loves you and I. He intended for him to die, but he knew that he would ask for more time, and he knew he would reference that he's done what's right. And God says, I'm going to honor that. And God will honor all of us in this room doing what's right. Now, I'm not saying he gives you more time if you ask for it, but he gives us the things that we ask for. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. When you put him first, he puts you first. As long as the things that you and I want and seek are not things outside of his will, and our priorities are right in his sight. Now, you'll notice he goes down the list here, and he says, a time to be born. The Lord knows everybody's birth date. He planned it. He knows everyone. You'll notice in the outline, A, there's a time God plans for us to be born. God also knows when we're going to be born again. You know, the Lord knows when it's time, and he's going to, uh, he's going to convict us in our heart, and we're going to yield. He knows when you're going to be saved, but he doesn't force you to be saved. But because he's all-knowing, he just knows it. And he said, there is a time to be born. Notice, if you would, a time to die. The Bible says in Hebrews, uh, I've noted it in here, be in the outline, there is an appointed time for each one of us to die. 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. So the Lord is trying to prepare for you and I. He's got our lives planned, and you and I, if we're in the center of his will, he's got blessings on both sides of our path. But many Christians get out of his will and wonder why life is so difficult. Here is one of those Christians. He was out of the will of God. He had a thousand wives. He was filthy rich. He was trying to get richer for happiness' sake. He was trying to have the greatest entertainment for happiness' sake. He said that in chapter 2. He was trying everything he could to make himself happy. But you can't. You can do the will of God, and he makes us happy. There's joy in serving the Lord. And everybody in this room, I hope we all can understand that there is a joy in serving the Lord. When you do things at the right time, notice this list, he says, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. There's a time to plant every spring. There's a time in the summer and fall when we uh, reap the harvest. Well, you'll notice he says, three, a time to kill and a time to heal. Uh, Somebody breaks into your house and you shoot them or you uh, battle with them and, and they're killed, it, 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 it was a time. He shouldn't have been doing that. And in your, in your life, there's a time to heal. There's sometimes whenever someone that you want to try to help someone get better. Uh, he's got times in all of this according to God's plan. Notice, for a time to weep and a time to laugh. God allows us times to weep like Hezekiah so that God can answer our prayers when they're so important to us they bring us to tears. The Lord wants all of us in this room to pray with your heart. The Lord wants things to affect us emotionally. Here's Hezekiah. He wept sore. He's a king. It's all right to weep when your heart's touched. Too many Christians are colder. When's the last time you shed a tear about something? The Lord delights in Christians having their hearts touched to the point of tears. Like I told the children in the book of Psalms, he says, he records all of our tears. Put thy tears into my bottle. Notice, if you would, uh, in the outline, uh, uh, see in the outline, there's there's travail and labor in all of our work because of sin. Take your Bible and turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter number 3. I want you to notice this. Genesis chapter 3. You wonder sometimes, you know, why is everything so hard? Why is it that things are such a struggle? I remember when I first came to Northern Virginia, uh, I was going out in the backyard, and I was going to dig a hole, and I was going to put a fence. Now, this fence, uh, it was a small yard. It was a tenth of an acre was my property, so it's very small, and the backyard was about uh, 15 feet deep and about 20 feet wide, 15 by 20, like a deck. That was all I had, and so I was going to put a fence back there, so I go out and get my shovel. How many of you know what a, 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 a well, I don't know what you'd call it, a bilduke is what we called it, uh, but it's a long-nosed shovel, a spade. You put your foot on it. And it goes down about that far. 
slender and in a round, and it digs a hole. Well, I got that bilduki out there, and I put my foot on it, and it went bang, and I about broke my foot right underneath the arch. I said, what in the world is that? And I took that thing, and I went like that, and it just bounced up. And I went to the store, and I said, what do you got for hard ground? They said, oh, oh we, we've got a, it, it's about this tall. It's got a round knob on it, and, and it's an iron rod, and you use it to break up the ground. I said, okay, give me one of those. So I went and got one, and man, it was probably an hour of using that, uh, bam, 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 trying to get that hole about that far down. I said, oh, my. The ground around here is terrible. It is hard as a brick. And I began to look at it, and I, 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 I said, my. And I said, I got eight holes to go. I'll be here for a year just digging a hole for this thing. And sure enough, it took me a long time to dig those holes. Well, you know, as, as I began to think about it, notice Genesis chapter 3 in verse number, verse number 18. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the, unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto the dust thou shalt return. So notice in verse 17, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. One of the curses of sin is hard ground. You ever think about trying to plow up a field? Now, there is good ground in different places, but when we get hard ground, when we get uh, ground, it's it hard to dig in. It, it, it's difficult to, it's work. It's the sweat of the brow. Anybody that digs anything is going to sweat. And he said, that's because I just want to remind you when you take that shovel and you try to dig into the ground and it's hard, remember your heart was hard. Remember, it's because of sin. It was very fertile and very soft in the Garden of Eden. But now it's hard. It's got thorns and thistles. So we have to understand that God didn't make it that way originally. But because of our sin, it's difficult. Work is labor. All of work is labor, whether it's, even if you're a computer guy, it's still work. Your eyes get tired watching those computers. Uh, it, it, everything we do that's labor is work. Now, what changes it is when we say, you know, Lord, I want to do this for you. If I'm just studying to find something or reading something, I can get tired of reading. But boy, I tell you what, if you say, Lord, you show me something Lord, I, I, I want to I learn something from you. And as I'm sort of digging and studying, all of a sudden now it becomes um, a hunt. It, it becomes uh, a, a, an opportunity to find out something new. Uh, Lord, show me. I, I want to I learn from you. And you can have a lot of time pass because you're enjoying yourself. You know, the Lord wants you and I to begin to enjoy serving him. Notice with me, if you would, take your Bible, turn back, and I want you to see this. Notice, if you would, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 12. I know that there is no good in them for a man, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. 
Notice this. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor. It is the gift of God. So in other words, being able to enjoy the fruits of your labor, whether it's at work or it's a garden you have or whatever it might be, the labor that you do, if you enjoy it, it is the gift of God to you. So God wants to give to those like Hezekiah that have done right and walked with him. He said, I want to make it where you enjoy. Now, don't get me wrong, we're human. So we're going to have days where uh, we're, we're just, uh, work is work. But it can't stay work all the time. The Lord doesn't want it that way. He wants what you do day by day to be something that you remember and you enjoy If you enjoy your work, you don't have a work day. It's just a privilege to go to work. I enjoy coming to work here. Some days there are work whenever uh, there are problems and and hurts and disappointments. But I'll be frank with you. I I love coming here to work. It is a joy to me. I I can't believe that I've been here 34 years. It just seems like. I remember when I drove up in my truck with the U-Hauls. It just doesn't seem that long. How many of you, you've been enjoying what you're doing and you can't believe you've been someplace so long? Somebody tell me, how long have you been at your place of work that you enjoy? Raise your hand. Let me see it. You enjoy someplace you work. Ken? 40-something years. All right. Somebody else? Someplace I've enjoyed working. it's not labor because I've enjoyed doing it. Well, Anna, okay, 10, did you say 10 or 12? How many? Okay, all right. Well, look, all of us have a certain point in time where we look at it and say, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. It doesn't seem to be years. It doesn't seem to be that way. It's the gift of of God. And he wants to give you the gift of God. Boy, it just seems like my children were this age and they're gone. It's the gift of God. Notice if you have your your outline, notice D, God has made everything beautiful in his time, but no one can understand all the works of God. Look at verse 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. That's why every man's always finding something new about science and math and English. He's always finding something new because God said, I've put it in your heart that you're never going to find out everything that I've done. But he said, I've made things beautiful. I want you to enjoy your life. But Solomon is miserable because his purpose in life was to please himself and you'll have the same miserable life with me and anybody else that purposes to get things for themselves. Always get things like this. Lord, if it be your will, give me this and give me that. Lord, if it's your will, let me do this. Lord, if it's your will, let me do that. But Lord, I only want it if it's your will. Then God can bring joy as you walk through life together with someone else or with him. Notice if you would, In the outline, uh, E, God allows and desires for man to enjoy the fruits of his labor. 
We read that verse. God gives the enjoyment as a gift. We read that in verse 11 and 12. Notice, if you would, F. Because God's plans and counsels give us stability. I want to come back to that in a minute. And assurance he is in control. We should learn to have great respect for the Lord. Notice verse 14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. So God does things that can't be changed. Gravity can't be changed. Certain water always flows downhill, can't be changed. Summer, winter, spring and fall, they're always going to be there. The Lord says, I've made things that can't be changed. But he said, I want you to notice that it gives you stability. It gives you something to look forward to, anchors in your life. There are certain things you do in September and October you don't do any other time of year. Certain things you do, you plant in March and April and May, but you don't do that other times of year many in the same, in the same way. He said, at Christmas times, it comes, you look forward to certain things. It's not mundane. I have made it for you. But if you make your life for me, then you can enjoy it because I'll give you the gift of enjoyment. Notice, if you would, also he says this. Not only does it give us stability because we know what's coming. Oh, we don't know tomorrow, but God has given us things in our life that are always the same that we know are going to happen. Uh, we, we know there's going to be rain. We know there's going, to be, uh, there's going to be the sun come up in the morning. Oh, it may be rain clouds, but we know sooner or later the sun's coming up. We know sooner or later the moon's going to be there. God has made it where we have stability. That's not going to change until he calls us home. Because he wants you and I not to be fearful, but he wants you to notice verse 14, that men should fear before him. He wants us to know he's done it for our sakes. He wants there to be even a greater respect for what God has done for our sakes. Now notice, if you would, F1, in Solomon's heart, he knew God was a righteous judge of everything man does. Notice verse 17. I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. He even knew that God was going to judge him and every wicked man. But it didn't cause him to plan to walk right so his judgment day would be a good one. He didn't alter his life. He just kept getting things for himself. He said, but I know in my heart that the judgment day is coming for me. I know it's coming for the wicked, but I know it's coming for me too. I know it for the righteous. Well, notice if you would, not only that, but number two, uh, God knows man's human nature is incurably wicked. Man is like a beast, selfish in his heart. Notice if you would, in, in this passage, look, if you would, in verse number, uh, verse number 19. Excuse me, verse 18. I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. We have to be so careful that we don't. Our nature is the nature of beasts. It's selfish. You don't see uh, meat put out 
between two dogs, and one says, you take it first, and I'll take it the, the other half the bone. The nature of beast is, I want it for me. They fight over it. And he said, man's nature is like that. So notice what he says. It, it's, it's selfish in heart. Notice, if you would, in verse 19. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. We have that same nature. Things happen to us that we get selfish over it. Notice, if you would, in verse number 20, all go into one place. He's upset because he said man dies and goes to the dust. A a dog dies, a cat dies, a horse dies, they go into dust. Can you see how empty Solomon is? It's like he has nothing to live for. He's lost all joy. And he's the wisest and richest man on earth. How can that happen? Not saying, Lord, all I have is yours. Lord, would you guide my steps? Folks, if you leave the Lord out, there's nothing that can fill the hole in your heart of satisfaction for very long. Notice, if you would, in the outline, A, excuse me, uh, Roman numeral 2, all bodies, both human and beast, are turned back to dust. Verse 20, he said that all go into one place. All are of the dust and all turn to the dust again. And look, if that's all you look at, your life's going to be miserable. All that's going to happen is I'm going to die and go to dust. Well, that's a pretty miserable way to look at life. That's why he is so vain. He's vanity. Everything is desolation to him. I have a hard time understanding how a man, as a young man, became king, saying, Lord, give me wisdom that I might serve my people wisely. Over here, Lord, I'm the richest man in the world. I want more. I'm the wisest man in the world. Lord, nothing's worth living for. What about the people that he once served? He lost his purpose, folks. If you lose your purpose of trying to please the Lord and serving others, you're going to be miserable. That's what happens. It's why you can't just serve yourself. We're like the beast then. That was him. I I got me. I got this. I got that. He was just selfish, and it stole his joy. Tonight, I I want you to notice, if you would, A in the outline. Uh, This is Roman numeral 2A. We should rejoice in the results of our labors. Look at verse 22. Wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works. For that is his portion. Now, take just a minute. Uh, He says, look, we ought to rejoice in our works. But he couldn't. The Lord wants you to rejoice in the things that you have. He wants you to rejoice in the things that he's provided for you. He wants you to be proud of things. But I don't mean arrogant. I mean thankful for things. The word proud is used as a thankful part. So he wants all of us in this room to be thankful for your car. He wants you to be thankful for your children. He wants you to be thankful for your husband and thankful for your wife, thankful for your job, proud of what the Lord has given to you. But you and I have to be so careful that we don't say, I want that job. I want that car. I want this for your sake because you've lost purpose. 
you've lost. And go back up to the very top. God approves of earthly pursuits, not, but only in proper time. Lord, I want to get married when you want me to. Lord, I want to, I want to get this job that, that I've dreamed about when you want me to. Lord, I, I want to keep my priorities right. Lord, I want you to be first in my life. I do want these other things, but I never want them to take your place. Solomon did not do that. And the things that he had took the place of the Lord. I just don't, I, I just don't understand as I read about Solomon, I study Solomon, how he starts out over here and he is so happy. And his people are so happy. And the queen of Sheba said, I've heard about you, but the half was not told me. Your servants are happy. Everybody is happy. You've got the greatest uh, menu of anybody I've ever seen of any king. You're the why, you answer every question. When your people come to you, they're so, gra- gracious, they're, they're so grateful to be able to ask you questions about their needs. Everybody seems to be happy. How did he get from there to writing the whole book about Life is empty. It's when you and I put ourselves first. When you and I begin to look at things in this life and say, I want that. The beast looks around and says, the lion says, I want that antelope. That's all he cares about. What's in it for me? And you and I have to be very careful. We have that same selfish nature of every beast. But the difference between us is we know who put the sun and moon in their place. A dog doesn't. You and I know that there's a God in heaven that loves us. The dog doesn't. The animals don't. That's the difference. And so you and I can live and have a a, a life of joy and a life of purpose, but the animal cannot. And it's because God made it that way. He made you and I different. He gave us a soul. He gave us a a spirit that longs for God. And when you and I long for him like David did, he, as a heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my heart after God. That's what caused David to be joyful. That's what caused him to write many of the Psalms. Notice, if you would, in the outline, B, this is Roman numeral 2B, that is our portion in this life, according to Solomon. When we are right with the Lord, He gives us joy in serving because all of our labors are ultimately for Him. That's the purpose. Lord, I I did this for you. If you come to Solomon's age, you're older in life, you've done everything, seen everything. If you can't look forward to the day you see the Lord and say, Lord, I'm looking forward to heaven because I've done what is right. Life is going to be empty. I just plead with you to keep the right purpose. What's the greatest command in Scripture? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Folks, tonight, I want to encourage you to do that. Notice, if you would, see, Solomon was so discouraged that he felt there was no comfort in this life. We just labor, rejoice in our labors if we can, and then die. He'd become very fatalistic. Well, life is not worth much. Uh, after me, there'll become somebody else. They'll take what I laid up and treasure and waste it, and, and then they'll die. And notice D, and this is where you can see 
Well, we, we never want to get to this place. Look at chapter 4, verse number 1. So I returned, considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, all the problems, all the hurts. Behold, the tears are of such as were oppressed. And they had no comforter. Why? They couldn't turn to the Lord for comfort. They only turned to things. Notice at the very bottom, but they had no comforter. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. You can't live without the Holy Spirit's comfort and be happy. You must be close to the Lord in order for happiness to fill your heart. Notice, if you would, in verse number two. Wherefore, I praised the dead, which are already dead, more than the living, which are yet alive. What a terrible view of life. He's suicidal. Oh, I, I just praise, I long to be dead. I, I have no concept of that. Notice, if you would, D in the outline, Solomon, praise the dead more than the living. Rome number three, we'll close with this. A godly Christian knows that everything he does can be for God's glory. Every sermon that I preach, number 4,260 tonight, could be for the Lord's glory. But boy, if it's not, it's a labor. Everything's a labor if you don't have a purpose for it. It's easier to go to work knowing you're going to bring home a paycheck to take care of your family. And I want to go and I want to do better and I want to do more and I want to be better to my family. There's a purpose. But Lord, I want to do better for you too. Lord, I want you to be first. Folks, don't lose your purpose in life. If you do, you're going to... Wherefore, I praise the dead more than the living. You'll have that. You'll get to that point. Notice if you would. There can be, in the outline, the last sentence, there can be both earthly satisfaction and heavenly rewards in all of our labors if they're done for Christ. Tonight, don't miss that. Um, if you're just laboring to make a living, life is going to become empty sooner or later. But if you're laboring to be a blessing, if you're laboring to please the Lord, Lord, I know this is where you have me. I want to do a good job for your sake. Then the job becomes a privilege. And tonight, I want every school teacher to realize the privilege you have to teach children for the Lord's sake. I want all of you to realize the privilege you have of serving the God of heaven, the one that put the stars in their place and the sun and the moon. He loves you. He wants you to have a purpose. And one day, he says, if you'll learn to live in joy in this life, he said, I've got a, I've got a reward in heaven for you. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Tonight, ask the Lord, Lord, teach me to love you. Help me to love you. Lord, teach me a purpose of pleasing you in this life. 
Lord, give me the joy of life. That's your gift. He'll do that tonight. I'll just remind you, Hezekiah, Isaiah came and said, you're going to die. Turned his face to the Lord, pled with him, and God said, I'll give you 15 more years. God hears our prayers, and he wants you to have a happy life. He wants you to have joy. Doesn't mean it's always that way, but we can have joy in difficulty if we know God is in it. Let's bow for a word of prayer tonight. I'm going to ask the penis to come and play a verse of invitation hymn. Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling. Maybe you're sort of empty. Oh, I'm not saying you praise the dead more than the living, but maybe there's some struggles in your life. Check your purpose, folks. Check your purpose to please the Lord. Ask Him to give you joy. He'll do it. Father, speak to hearts tonight as only you can. I pray that you'd give the people in Temple Baptist Church the joy of life. Lord, give us purpose to please you. And Father, I pray that you'd give us those heavenly thrills and earthly rewards because we've been faithful to you. In your name we pray.